Aloha Maui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhart. Brian Thomas. We're here from the Solar Coaster, and uh, we're ready to do a show in studio today uh, on episode what is it, 154. We're going back to uh, Tiny Container House with Roger Brule. This is the second edition of a super cool show. I think we are, I know I am, at least a self-professed shipping container geek. How about you guys? Indeed. Yeah, there's something. Uh, <laughs> it's always been kind of a cool way to see how people take this uh, generic shipping container and then turn it into a tiny house and i've always liked tiny houses but um there's some absolutely creative and very cool and i think relevant uh things that they can add to this world that we're in right now um what jay what do you think about that um yeah absolutely i, mean, I, I always thought it was really interesting the, the, the whole the whole philosophy behind it is is what really gets me and it's it's changing your lifestyle to uh some something that that you, you can simplify get rid of all the extraneous fluff and 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 have something that is perfectly functional usable serves all your needs and and doesn't cost an arm and leg or or harm the environment nearly as much as as a luxury mansion somewhere <laughs> and then and josh as we were talking about before you know some people may ask and they say well why would a renewable energy show be one to, to talk about container houses and and tiny houses, but but it's it ties into, at least from my perspective, it ties into sort of a sustainability aspect of it because, at this point in time, uh, the percent of someone's income that is going to housing is, at record levels, off the charts, and frankly not sustainable. So, this is where the the the, the container house and the tiny house comes into play because they can reduce that that percentage of their income that's going towards rent and therefore improving a, and, and making for a higher quality of life. Yeah, and we'll get into this uh, for sure, and I really agree with that. And I think one of the things that I got from Roger, uh, without going into too much detail, is that it is possible to utilize these structures, kind of help them kind of do what they do best, right? They already have a certain rigidity. They already have a certain kind of, uh, there already are four walls and, and a ceiling, as he said. And so you can do a lot with them as they are. And then how far do you push that? Of course, you can turn it into a multi-million dollar house with a couple, of, you know, with all that, all the accoutrement of our, our current lifestyle. But he doesn't like to do that. He's got some great solutions and it can be very affordable. And I love the energy conversation within this. So we'll get a chance to hear this session number two, Tiny Container House with Roger Brule. Uh, you guys ready to do this? Absolutely. All right, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Kaoi, 1110 a.m., 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live if you're outside of our broadcast area. Uh, you can also go and check out the Facebook and YouTube live streams that we do occasionally, more than occasionally these days. Uh, they're all they're all out there. But most importantly, you can go back and listen to all our old shows. So in, in this case, we, this is uh, session two of the uh, the conversation with Roger about tiny homes. Session one is already online, and you can go back and check that out if you're new to the conversation. Absolutely. We got some podcasts. We covered that already, too. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those great places to check it out. And then our sponsors. We have uh, on the show today, we have Fairwinds Wealth Management, Brian Thomas, uh, constantly uh, educating us on all the things that he knows about uh, three decades or so in wealth management. Uh, and it's been quite an interesting ride. We're going to hear from Brian a little bit today in news and events. Uh, EnduroShield and Perfectly Clear Glass. Got to really uh, appreciate the guys at EnduroShield and Gary Dolberg at Perfectly Clear Glass. Really excited to see how they've kind of penetrated the renewable energy industry. They've gotten involved with the shows. He's already talking about SPI, Solar Power International in Anaheim, and just kind of broadening his reach through the solar coaster in part and, uh, and being a, just a part of all the cool things that happen. They have a coating that works to uh, eliminate or reduce the amount of of cleaning you need to do with your solar panels and it's really cool and i'm excited to just see how they're progressing we also got sundrum solar doing amazing things out here uh, specifically doing some heat sink uh, technology and uh, very shortly we'll have solar edge up and running on the solar coaster so time for news and events jay all right the world just set a record for the cheapest solar farm now again um 
wind and solar we've been talking about for most of the world is the cheapest form of power, but it just keeps getting cheaper. And um, the Abu Dhabi Power Con Corporation has has just signed a, a deal with a f French and Chinese companies um, to do a giant um, PV um, project online by mid 2022 but the, the the dollar value of of one dollar 35 cents per kilowatt hour is just through the floor <laughs> it's unbelievably cheap let's let's compare that to our recent um uh, request for proposals that were approved across maui and that was between nine and eleven cents if memory serves um so so 1.35 cents per kilowatt hour is just insanely cheap now do understand that they have to they don't have to do a lot to prepare the land. It's literally desert, kind of flat. They have tremendous amounts of sunshine, even more than we do. Um, so it's it's really really simple to go in, sink a couple poles, and install these racks. So it's it's cheap, but um, still the the number the number just floored me. <laughs> How big is this project? This is in Abu Dhabi, right? Uh, in in the United Arab Emirates. Did it say that? Um, they they said this 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 one in particular is going to. Um, power of roughly 160,000 households 160,000 households so if you if you were to compare that yeah. to for example to the household count we were having all these conversations about what does this mean right but uh the <laughs> yeah, remember paye who was something like six or seven thousand households that's that that's the way they used mm -hmm. they referred to Payahu, which is over there uh the mm -hmm. contested one uh interjects project above maui meadows and that was around yep. 70,000 households or something support. That would have been 15 m megs with 60 megawatt yep. hours, right? 60 megawatt hours yep. of, of juice, of storage. So this is uh, a heck of a lot bigger than that. Uh, that gives you a sense of the scale of this thing. It's, just, just, it's, uh, it's really great to think that all these, uh, these projects continue to get built amidst all of this and are still setting records. Of course, we have these huge oil, oil changes to pricing with oil and stuff like that. I wonder if this is... Uh, come, if this is related, to, does this affect all of these projects at all, or is this something that's come, like unrelated, guys? I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize, Brian. I'm gonna pick this up, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily related. Um, I mean, pe people that are going to get into a, a renewable energy project right now are are in it because they want to do a renewable energy project and they see a future in it. Um, the 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 price of oil, although attractive, if you're starting from ground zero and you're going to build a power plant knowing that that oil is is less than zero right now is 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 something to understand but it, it, it's not going to stay there long term that's not sustainable at all i mean that literally means you're paying somebody to take the oil away if you want to get out of the market um that's it's it's not um it's not going to stay there you know, so impact things long term I don't. I don't think so. Um, what I do see is a lot of people really concerned about missing deadlines. Mm. Mm. Brian, what do you think about this whole oil thing as it relates to energy? Yeah, I, th I think Jay said it very well. You know, there's a common phrase on Wall Street: the cure, or I guess in in economics in general, but the cure for low prices is low prices. In other words, as if a oil well produces, it can't produce below 60% efficiency. So, as as producers are pumping. And they can't store it, and we're filling up our storage. And even if uh, it, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but if we start to fill up the strategic petroleum reserve, um, that has some capacity, but the pipeline to it isn't going to fill to the degree it needs to fill. And so uh, there's floating storage and all sorts of stuff. But but as these wells get capped because they can't produce and they can't put it anywhere, that can, even though demand is being decimated, it can and it will over time drive the price up a little bit. And as Jay said, like these uh, these projects have a mandate, sort of an ESG mandate, as we were talking about, and that money has been sort of earmarked for these projects, and they're looking at the really long term. So, um, Jay, I think you did a good accurate description. Is like the price of oil, these projects are still going on. The price of oil is what it is at this point in time, but it's not going to be that way forever. Got it, got it. Okay, gentlemen, you want to jump over to uh, some of these impacts on the industry? Uh, you ready to do that, Jay? Sunrun yeah, or okay. So, well, what's it? I, you know, what I find interesting is that uh, if you look at the, there's an article from Forbes here. Sunrun policy chief talks COVID impact and solar power future. There's a lot here, but the broad strokes of it, they expect a 30% fall in uh, overall projects uh, in 2020, 
and then a decline in rooftop solar up to 70% in the second quarter. Now, that's what's being projected at the moment. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, we look locally, we're still doing okay according to the Maui News, right? So what I mean by that is that over last year, first quarter, we're up 40%, and just this last, uh, rather 70%, and just this last week, we're still up 40%. So maybe those shocks haven't really hit yet. There's some lag to this. But we could be uh, in for this in, the, in in probably the year. We'll start to see how it actually pans out. Yeah, I, 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 the seeing a spike in permits does not surprise me. Um, realistically, people are, are wanting to stay home. They're they're looking to to improve. They're, they're sitting at home looking what do to I improve do? their home in in every in every way possible. Spend money. And there's there's a little there's a no there's a little bit of of, of a concern for for safety and security, um, more than a little bit of security. And and so what do you do? Well, you want to secure your energy supply. So so having someone are come people in thinking and install like that, solar. Though? Are people, th- I mean, I, I would I would think that would make I would. sense. I would think that I way would. too. But do you think, uh, you know, in, in a mass, in a mass kind of, you know, societal way, do you think that that is starting to happen in people's minds? Or are they kind of going, wait a second, I got bigger fish to fry. I'm not looking to dump X amount of dollars into it's, it's, the uh, into, no, into a renewable energy system. It's a general prepper conversation where you, you, you we saw what happened with toilet paper at Costco. You know, <laughs> Here, here's That's a, the same. Here's a quick one, guys. I you know could we see a resurgence of the lease model or the rent model versus the ownership model, right? So if people are not looking to take on debt, if they're feeling a little more, a little you know less secure, I think is a reasonable thing to say than a, a month or so ago then maybe that that ownership model could change again because for a while for the last couple of years we're moving away from the lease model and into the you know you amortize these loans you have these long 20-year 30-year loans i think they were 20 25-year loans for owning your system but you think people might move back over to leases because of this Leases, I mean, leases are certainly an option. Gems is another option. Remember, that program exists where you can literally get a system system installed. Pardon? I don't think that worked out too well on Resi. I think there were some commercial projects that made it happen, but... Yeah, but but I mean the program does exist, and if they if they would streamline that a bit, it certain would certainly help. Um, And 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 I mean it's 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 hard to say. Yeah, this um, if I could just chime in from this is this is as I see things through my lens i think there's i think there's a fair amount of people that are going to say you know my my vanguard portfolio or my stock portfolio doesn't have the same upside potential as it did before and so therefore solar may be more attractive relative to what i perhaps could have earned in my investment portfolio and so that may be a drive to drive some that is interesting that and and that would have been like one of my first questions to you is are people starting to witness, or, or is it shaking their confidence in the traditional areas to, to to put their money in? And that would be a reasonable thing at this stage of the game, right? With the Vanguard is the one you talk about sometimes, but I and, and when you start looking at the returns for you know for renewable energy system, uh, especially at this stage, as more people have it, there's million. I think it's something like a million or two systems across the country at this stage of the game. Uh, so people are more confident. Maybe they start to think more think think about investing closer to home with their money. Right, it, it, like. It's relative, you know, like, in other words, our clients, knock on wood, are doing good. But other people, uh, <laughs> um, they may say, you know, instead of trying to get that big upside, let's, I'm going to invest in something that I know I'm going to consume, and it, it offers a reasonable rate of return. Gotcha. Okay, Jay, where do you want to jump from here? Oh, I just wanted to point out that we also got that um, Maui News article where we had the, the largest drop um, in energy demand across Maui County right. um, this past fourteen percent, fourteen percent, double, double, percent down. Right. So people are using less energy. I mean, this is basically because businesses are not functioning as much. Um, large uh, um, hotel installations, et cetera, et cetera, are not functioning as much. And um, and we're, we're down a significant portion of our energy use. Uh, I think someone someone is somewhere in here. Um, Hawaii Electric had never seen such a such a yeah. significant draw an un, unplanned drop <laughs> this was uh, jim yeah, jim kelly in fact i called him this morning about the other press release such fast and pronounced changes in demand are something we haven't seen before and they're a measure of how quickly business activity and individual behavior were affected by the pandemic says jim kelly vice yep. president of corporate relations uh we also saw some in- interesting information literally just this morning from from jim kelly uh about palama lanai and the talks with hawaiian elect Did you guys get a chance to check that out yeah, let's talk about that one. So, uh, to, for, to fill this in, um, 
Larry Ellison's company, um, the Oracle Guru, um, Palomal and I was trying to acquire the utilities assets across the entire island of Lanai. And that would basically make them the, the utility provider. Hawaii Electric would leave um, the island. And it looks like talks have concluded. <laughs> it's, it's, it's written a little unusual. Like I had to read the first sentence a couple of times because uh, I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was saying uh, it's over or if they just stopped talking, you know, if like if the negotiation was done and it wasn't successful and it's or if they just stopped talking. I had to read it. Two, I, three I, times. I, think, I think that's probably the gist of it is that that, that the negotiations are over with <laughs> how they ended. We don't know. Well, no, but it says in that, in that particular room, <laughs> but it doesn't but it doesn't sound like it ended well. <laughs> so it's so veiled. Hawaiian Electric and Palama Lanai have ended discussions about a potential sale of the electric system on Lanai, comma, which will continue to be owned and operated by the utility. So it, I guess it's <laughs> kind of straightforward, but I don't know, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to get Ellison to throw the towel in on something, Jay and I were joking about this. It's It, it must have been a, a, a little bit of a challenging conversation. That's just well, I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, personally, I personally don't think he's done. Uh, they're just going to go about it a different way. He's going to... Uh, <laughs> Well, they, gonna... yeah, and the, like the the last paragraph says, we'll continue working with Pulama and I and the community to develop options for a sustainable energy future that can work to everyone's benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and you guys saw that Larry Elson was continuing to pay people on Lanai, so I thought that was a pretty good uh, step on his behalf. For sure, for sure. Yeah, very interesting shifts. I mean, I was uh, kind of excited to see that you know that maybe kind of take shape because then you could see perhaps an accelerated uh, adoption of renewables under under you know Palama Lanai's kind of direction that, that was kind of my hope for the whole thing yeah they were they were they were given they if they were given carte blanche to do anything they want without um, the in, the investor and utility um, interests <laughs> there uh, it would be interesting to see how it shaped up basically like a, a perfect world scenario <laughs> or at least someone someone's perfect world vision well, you just take out some of the bureaucracy is what I would think. And then, yeah, you know, obviously Ellen's got plenty, Ellen's got plenty of capital to work with. And then you just go full force, you know, and, and, and create the uh, the grid of the future. That's kind of where I, I, I thought maybe it could go. But uh, anyway, pretty short press release, interesting updates. Uh, they all, there was another one that came out from Hawaiian Electric. There's a, It's actually a couple of pages here. We'll just go over a couple of the things. They've extended the moratorium on disconnections. So if you're having trouble paying your electric bill, uh, please be aware Don't of worry. that. You're okay. <laughs> Uh, that's been uh, extended through June 30th. Uh, and so they also had here down at the bottom, which I thought was interesting, which I hadn't seen before, households in need of, there's a bunch of information here, you can check it out on their website, but households in need of utility payment assistance that meet the 60% state medium gross annual income limit, and they go about listing it, are eligible eligible for up to $1,000 of LIHEAP, uh, COVID-19 Disaster Energy Crisis Intervention Assistance. That is a mouthful. Uh, but you can check that out online, uh, www.hcapweb.org. Uh, also, MEO, Maui Economic Opportunity. That's meoinc.org. And you can find out all about that. So that's pretty cool to see that there's some support there. They also reference uh, the fellows, Brian Kealoha and and, um, and and Walter and all those great people at Hawaii Energy. There are tips for energy uh, savings there. So you might want to consider taking a look at that, that website as, as well. Uh, pretty good to see that they have a kind of support, guys. Still gotcha? Indeed. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right, Jay, we got time for one more. Which one are you going to tackle? Um, let's talk about the long term, um, basically bringing back the, the, the new the new deal <laughs> kind, civil kind of beat. issue. Yeah. Um, okay. Civil civil beat. Um, this this was actually you said this was written by um, a, a buddy of ours, okay. which um, which is interesting. But I I it says it's by Allison. Hilliard, that's um, Will Geese's assistant. Is yeah, that correct? So those are uh, okay. Allison and Will okay, so over we've, at we've, HSCA. We've had, yeah, we've we've had we've had Will on the show previously. He's a great guy. Works on Oahu, um, championing renewable energies. Um, but this particular article in Hawaii, the Honolulu Syllable Beat, is um, really all about how we can bring back. We we have this big issue of unemployment now. We have this big issue of of lack of income across and 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 the the the. Um, the economy slowing down, um, how we can bring back some of these policies uh, to to really help out and spur development in the renewable energy space, and not just the renewable energy space. I mean, I would argue that it's 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 time to come back and and really 
bring um, some some federal power to fixing all the bridges <laughs> that have that have problems. You have all these people that are, that lost their jobs or don't know if they're going to have jobs. Um, Roosevelt said a lot of stuff, but th this goes through a lot of quotes, and and it all sounds like it could have come off the news today. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, you know, and Giese did a good job here, I thought, of painting a picture of the strength of the renewable energy industry, an area that des deserves support based on its its capacity to provide good-paying jobs over the long term. He talked a lot about that, mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. know, and uh, I don't know. I know, Brian, you're, you're, you're pretty skeptical, uh, skeptical of the feds, if I'm reading you correctly. What do you think? Well, um... <laughs> you're like, don't say that. I, I, I wouldn't say skeptical, but, I mean, I, when, when we see the Federal Reserve stepping up to buy junk bonds, it, it asymmetrically rewards, yeah, it, it, it asymmetrically rewards those companies that are publicly traded versus the private companies. And so, you know, on that part, but there was uh, the Reconstruction Finance Corporation, which made loans to private businesses, and that did help projects. And in, in particular, something like that could help uh, state and local projects. And if they did something like that, I think that makes some sense. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, and also um, on that article, it talked about how the Solar Foundation said that for every megawatt of residential solar installed, 38 jobs are created. There you go. And that, I, like, that's a powerful uh, lever right there, you know. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot. This, of this was this was the, this was the fact I was looking at. Is even entry level jobs in in are in the higher end of the pay scale, paying twenty one dollars thirty nine cents per hour on average. That's that's a, a big number for for people that may not have a job at all. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, like. And, oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say it's people's esteem is much higher when they're rewarded for 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 work, and and that's the beauty of work. It's not just working for a check. It's working because you're you're doing something. You're productive, and so just. You know, paying people to not do anything isn't productive, and it doesn't generate self-esteem. Whereas this would, and and those those are sort of intangible things, but they're still they're still real and they're still valid. Well, I you know when I look at this, I, I think about the the need to diversify our economy. We saw the fragility uh, of the Hawaiian economy uh, based on you know primarily on tourism with this the impact that we've had here with COVID nineteen. I, I saw an article suggesting that Kahului was uh, one of the worst affected economically. Uh, after only uh, someplace in Texas, it seemed like a credible article to you. I think it was Forbes. Um, you know, that being said, we need to be thinking about how to diversify our economy. Where are we going to go to from here? What's this new normal going to look like? And it, you can't just be a return to the same thing, you know. So if we have certain, uh, we have eye on certain aspects of the economy, like like renewable energy space, uh, where we can start to, you know, bolster that. We're already kind of got, we already got some traction in that regard. It could be a good area to bolster, even accelerate it maybe. Uh, with the right kind of public-private partnerships out there. All right, that being said, I think it's time to go over and hear from Roger Brule at uh, Tiny Container Homes. Really cool stuff. We'll come back after the show. EnduroShield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time uh... application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, 
Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. So we left off talking a little bit about uh, the modularity of the container home, about the conductivity of the structure itself, and about how a person can uh, utilize that living structure and then uh, kind of interact with it and, and dynamically move it around to be able to minimize inputs of energy. That was kind of the, the how far we got down the road in that conversation. So, uh, yeah, I think you know part of uh, you know the fascination about shipping containers is of course its its original uh, purpose, which is it, it's a it's a container to be uh, on the high seas. So it's built, uh, you know, it's, it's it's structurally built to sustain, uh, you know, high winds and of course uh, to uh, uh, to transport a lot of cargo, and I think that is an essential part of of when you um, uh, when you convert them into living spaces that you want to kind of maintain that. Uh, um, I don't know. Maintain is the right word, but to think about, you know, just use that as an advantage. Um, uh, for example, um, you know, it is very good in, in, in storms, high winds. You know, it, it, um, the shipping, con uh, shipping container itself, uh, especially, of course, uh, my favorite, which is the 20-foot, that's what we do, 20-foot shipping containers. Um, I'm always fascinated. We had, a, the other day, there was, a, I think, a couple of three months ago, they, they had a big storm in, uh, uh, near the Netherlands, and they lost a whole bunch of containers on it. And a lot of that, uh, those containers, they they uh, came to shore and it was it opened up and all that stuff. But some of them actually floated too in the water. So it's like a 20, like a like a brand new shipping container can actually float in the water for a long time. So they're of course uh, sealed, uh, you know, weather sealed. There are little air vents um, to you know to um, depressurize it or pressurize it for for different temperatures and and. Uh, uh, latitudes wherever you where you go to uh, but uh, the, structurally these 24 shipping containers are like um, they're, they're awesome they're probably one of the most uh, structurally sound uh, uh, de devices that you can transport that's why they're shipping containers <laughs> okay, so let's say that we're, we, we, we want to take a shipping container, we want to turn it into uh, a home or a guest house. And by the way, here in Maui, in Hawaii, uh, we have uh, what was often called the you know, a, a housing affordability crisis. Uh, homes are very expensive, there's a limited amount of real estate, there's a, a very uh, active buyer pool generally speaking a lot of the money's coming in from outside of the region and the workforce housing it tends to be really challenging to secure right anytime there's like an affordable condo unit that goes up and affordable housing and, and affordable housing out here probably has a different flavor than what a lot of people throughout the country expect I mean it's not uncommon like if you can find a condo in Maui without massive you know leasehold fees or without uh, massive maintenance fees you know south of four hundred thousand dollars a very simple condo mm -hmm. uh not an oceanfront luxurious thing then you're really doing good right so and a lot of the times houses go for that you yep. know north pacific northwest you can get a big house for yep. half a million bucks right so um we're in a situation right now where they are starting to change legislation they're trying to uh even consider tiny homes actually just the last month or two as of march of 2019 there's been some discussion uh, by uh, policymakers about tiny homes, remarkably, uh, there's been people trying to produce this, you know, in Hawaii for a long time. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, concepts against it. Um, and then people are there's a whole new thing called the ADU or accessory dwelling unit um, legislation that allows for smaller lots, not just the large agricultural lots, to have ohanas. Ohana meaning an additional structure, but also um, smaller lots to incorporate additional structure. We're starting to see the beginnings of that now. There are limitations in septic, ironically, uh, septic systems and how to deal with waste that starts to create the issues now once you get past some of the initial legislation. So um, there's a robust kind of conversation happening about alternative living. Maybe container homes could be part of this. So let me ask you this. What, if someone wants to take a container home, there's some sitting right there at the port right now. I know that. I know there's a couple of guys out here trying to build and, and do things. What are some of the considerations uh, moving forward about how you go about doing that and you know, uh, do you, 
put in a door, put in a window, put in, how do you choose your appliances? How do you choose your, how do you make your decisions? What are the broad strokes? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. First of all, the, the, the shipping containers I've uh, driven around here in Maui, you, you definitely have uh, a lot of them. And a lot of people use them, but the most that I've seen that use them for storage, you know, uh, which of course, in, I would argue that there's much better ways uh, to use them. So the, the essential uh, uh, Part I mean to be, to begin with is what what type of shipping container do you want? And we already previously talked about the sizes of the containers, but it's also about the condition of the the container. You know, so they um, there's maybe a little bit of misconception that they they could be very cheap. Um, there are some that are very cheap, but. That's like with everything in the world. That's you pay for something cheap. It is cheap. So let me ask you this: Are we are we talking about getting a used container, but one that's relatively new? Yeah, the way they do that is um, the uh, the big sellers, the dealers, and all that. They the, the the best one that you can get is what they call a one trip. Uh, they, for all essential purposes, that's new. Uh, one tripper is it came from its original destination, which is usually China. Uh, to, you know, let's say Maui. Uh, so whatever was cargo was transported from, from China to here was, of course, unloaded, and now you got this shipping container sitting there. Uh, now, for whoever owns that shipping container, the question is, are you going to ship it back empty? Because we're not, you know, we're not selling that many things to, to China. But so you add all these shipping containers up that, that show up here, you, there might be a, a few empty ones. But some of them are reused, and uh, you know, every time you reuse them, they, um, uh, they, they, the forklifts, they just, you know, they, they don't, they don't touch them with uh, gloves. They just, they just, you know, put them on the trucks, whatever. So you get lots of dents, a lot of imperfections uh, in them. Uh, so what we use at the tiny house container are one trippers. They are more expensive. They're actually market price, believe it or not. There's, there's such a things. This is not a lobster. This is actually a container where there's a market price for it, and it goes up and down uh, depending on, of course, the economy and all that. But the range is anywhere between $3,000 and $5,000 to get one, you know, plus delivery and, and a few other things. But, but that's kind of the, the starting point. So it's not, well, you know, you compare it with a, a wooden structure, you got to get the wood and build it. So it's, it's, it's kind of priced the same way. But if you really... Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you can get them cheaper. You can get them, you know, if you want to do a multi-trip. But just you got to be aware that um, a multi-tripper, you know, it, it, because it has dents, um, it's like an old car. There are some old cars that um, are in perfect shape. And our, the same model is, is completely raw. the same thing. You have to take care of it. Okay, excellent. So let's say that we've honed in on a one trip, one tripper. And we've got it for a good value, and it's four thousand dollars or something like that, a twenty-foot. And are there any concerns about, you know, the actual like paint or you know health of the notion of living in an industrial device? To me, just says, oh, there's some concerns here. Do you have to strip it down and redo it, or is there any concerns about, you know, uh, how these things are made, what type of paints, what types of things are being used? Is it healthy? Um, the, the the paints themselves is it's it's like. Um Kind of like houses too, like the the, the paint, uh, you know, in, in houses and all that. They every every type of paint contains something that's not healthy. They're just basically, that's what what paint is. So, um, I'm using uh, houses as samples. Is like if you you have to air houses out because it's a dust. And it's the same thing in a container. It's a small space, so it's it's actually more uh, the air than than the paint, which is relevant in, in a small space. Okay, gotcha. So you, you get it, you air it out, you clean it. It's a one-tripper. There hasn't been a lot of stuff in it. And then what does it take? What I'd like to be able to hope, hope we can arrive at in this conversation on this show is what it takes to get that from a container to a livable space. What's the overall, you know, roughly speaking, cost structure for certain assumptions? And then I also would love to be able to touch a little bit on the energy inputs at the end of the day, it, ideally in a tropical environment, because that's where we live, right? So, for example, you know, you you, you make these these decisions about the the openings, the apertures. You deal with the structural issues this way, you know, because you're changing the unibody construction, and then you, you you find a site, you locate it, and then you go about your build, and then from there you go about your energy, and boom, you have this now. You have this home or you have this additional dwelling unit how does that work yeah i mean the you know with it with let's say building a house or especially in the in the, in the tiny house community the, the the price range is is 
varies from, you know, from several thousand dollars for materials to, you know, you, you can get a tiny house, like a wooden structure I'm talking about, for, you know, $130,000 because it's all decked out. They're, they're all around Maui right now, uh, guys selling $100,000-plus tiny houses. You'll see them if you, if you go get on Craigslist. It's, they're, they're trying to meet a need, but there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, it's very interesting to see this kind of market start to build. Yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting because they take, uh, you know, the, the luxury that you're used to in a regular house and they put it into a tiny house, and that's what 130000 so you can't really say, hey, that this costs $300,000 per, per square foot. It's just, it just costs a lot of money per square foot. And it's really about the end user, the, 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 if you buy it or you construct it yourself or do something in the middle. I mean, so you could get a shell. And, uh, you know, like what the, the cool thing about a container shell is uh, it's, 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 the container is already done. You already have four walls and, and a roof, and then you have a, you know, a starting point. So that, that's what we do, too, is we... Uh, we just can, you know, put the put the doors in, and because uh, the inside, for example, we were already um, going for the energy uh, part. I mean, energy is is of course an energy source, but also insulation, and and that's where the, the container already has walls, but you put extra walls in for insulation, and you know, some is decoration too, uh, but uh, insulation is 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 not cheap. Okay, okay. So it's a matter of, what I just heard is it's a matter of what the end user is choosing. If they're trying to replicate their lifestyle in a regular home, that's one story. If they're trying to, if they're, if they're ready to embrace or drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and embrace this kind of new idea, whole, that's a whole different ballgame, right? When you create a hole in the side of a container, how does that affect the integrity of the structure? And then are there any things you need to do structurally to kind of account for that? First of all, it will uh, affect the structure, so the, the size of the, the hole and all that. And uh, you, will, you will notice that, of course, uh, when it really affects it is during transportation. So if it sits, you know, if you bring it somewhere, you set it up permanently, uh, then you wouldn't really be affected by it too much. But what the container does, it torsions. So there's a, there's a slight shift of change. So if you transport it a lot, it's like any, any other thing that you transport, even like a car, uh, because it's, of course, out of metal and other products, it just slowly just kind of get loose, loosens up, you know. So what we do is uh, we have, um, we use the big doors uh, the, 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 that are already in there as opening. That's, that's part one, because that's already structurally designed for an opening. We put in uh, on the side a French door, um, and then on the back side, uh, on, the, on the shorter side, a, uh, a back door to, to the bathroom and a very small window on that side. So structurally, we try to keep it uh, fairly intact because you need some of that, that side. The siding is structurally preventing the, the container from twisting. So if somebody says, hey, could you put three French doors in it? Yes, that is possible. Uh, but if you want to keep transporting, and that's what we're specialized on, the mobility, uh, it's not recommended. Understood. Okay, so you've got to make some, I'd say, like proportionate decisions about how much opening space you want and then uh, how much side structural space you want to maintain in order to keep the movability of it and then keep it from having torsional problems, right? Correct, yeah. And, and what we use, another uh, uh, way we solve that is uh, we have like specialized container trailers. So these, uh, these are like, you know, like the semi-trucks. Um, they, when you can, you can lock the sides, they're called interlocks, uh, they, they lock inside. So the, the, the trailer itself is structurally uh, holding or, or preventing the torsion of the container. So for example, if you transport it on a flatbed or any type of other structure, that flatbed will not prevent it from torsioning. But if you have the container specially built, and the container that, uh, the, the, the trailer that we use is actually um, the whole structure is designed, the trailer plus the container, to be less than 10,000 pounds. What does that do? Uh, uh, it, it actually allows you to rent a U-Haul truck, because with a U-Haul truck, and this is, this is not a sponsorship here, but the U-Haul truck, um, you can legally um, uh, pull 10,000 pounds or a, or, a, or a truck. Any, any truck that's like a 250 and up or 2,500 or something, uh, so a three-quarter ton truck will pull the container plus the trailer. So that's what we designed it for, because that prevents you from or, or, or will um, 
avoid using a, uh, a professional mover and, and getting special permits. Okay, so now we're thinking about uh, the, the movability at, off on land from one location build maybe to the ultimate site and that there's some accommodations being made to protect that torsional uh, issue as well, the rigidity of it. So, okay, so you get it, I mean, you have it on this trailer, the special trailer, you get it to a site. It seems to me you'd almost want to keep it on the trailer because of the movability of it. I mean, that's the way, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wow, if I want to be able to move it seasonally, let's talk about a tropical environment. Let's say that Josh has found a really great site <laughs> yep. in Kula and with no neighbors, so they're not going to get crazy about me putting in some alternative uh, you know, living structure. They're okay. I don't mm-hmm. have to have any major conversations with the county because I'm going to keep it on a trailer, right? Let's say that we bring in a couple of 20-foot uh, uh, containers. Um, how do I go about turning that into a living environment? Because you have some systems considerations, right? You have, could, could I just get on there, buy these containers, and then would I be able to build this with, so with, with myself, do you think, or is it possible? Yeah, that is possible. I, um, uh, I, of course, I don't know what the, the rules and regulations are here in uh, uh, on, on the islands, but, but of course when you go on the mainland, there's, there's a whole variety from no restrictions to full restrictions. And uh, uh, the septic, I mean the, 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 the sewer septic black water, that of course wherever you go, uh, that, is a, that is an issue. So when I visualize that, it's like we're, we're not humans, we're actually humans attached to a septic system because wherever we want to live, we got to have a septic system, right? So it's kind of funny. So you have to figure out uh, you know, if if you want, if you need permits or something, but the, but in yeah. So what is what does that build process look like? Um, do you have a, Can you give us any guidance on that? And hopefully we can arrive at the discussion of what some energy inputs might look like at the end of the day. Yeah, good. Yeah. So the way we set up the uh, uh, the containers is that uh, water, uh, septic, heating is everything on the outside. So nothing is actually built in. So that way we can really adjust to what you just said. Uh, because everywhere it's a little slightly different. So let's say uh, septic. So um, if you have absolutely no access to any type of uh, septic system, you you might you need a composting uh, toilet. But if let's say you have access to a neighbor or something, or uh, you know 50 feet, 100 feet to a house like an EDU, you know, like uh, you don't need to pull a pipe there. What we have, for example, we use a uh, a very common, <clears throat> excuse me, an RV um, mobile septic tank. So we just hook that up. There's a, a quick connect, and if you're used to RVing, that's a normal, very normal thing. And when you're done, you can, if you want manpower, you can wheel it there, or you can have a little tractor that pulls it over. And then you just have to manage, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the size of the tank and how much you use. That is is the uh, keep keep those uh, those type of uh, the utilities basically on the outside. I give you a sample. Uh, there's a company, um, unfortunately I forgot the name, but they, they actually offer a solar system with a water cleaning filtration system. You know, so you could have, and, and they, come in, they come in a little container cube, which would fit in, the, uh, in our container. So you could actually technically, oh, the, the, yeah. The yeah, like the babushkas, yeah. So it, it comes in a, I think uh, in a six by six foot container cube, that, that fits into the shipping container. So if, wherever you go, you can take this out, set it up, and it's fully solar. I think, yep. That's why you brought that up early on, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. You can set it up so you, you, can, you, know, you can filter the gray water and all that, that stuff. And uh, so when you come to uh, a filtration system from black water and gray water, um, it, it really, again, depends on how much you use. It's kind of like solar energy where it's, it, it opens a wide range. You might, that system might cost thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 if you want to completely independently do that. So if you have access, any type of access to septic or you want to compost, you can certainly reduce those costs. That is fascinating. So when, when I think about that and then I start seeing the potential for two, maybe 20, maybe 40-foot yeah. containers that could be dwelling units, yeah. I mean, you know, you could potentially do, put in, uh, you know, a, 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 if you did a, 40 foot on a trailer and another 40 foot on a trailer, you could live in one very comfortably with the utilities outside and then you could rent the other one uh, potentially because if it's providing some income as well as a living space and then also the, all of these utilities, if they're on, what's interesting about that trailer concept, if you had electrical gen, electrical storage, maybe some, maybe thermal, you could do uh, DHW, uh, even a heat exchanging system, even your heating and cooling potentially depending on the proximity and then you could even generate or capture and store 
perhaps you probably would store water off the trailer, obviously, because of the weight. But I mean, you could really handle all of your utilities on that. And then what that does is you're in this kind of environment, you have a raw piece of land up here that's beautiful, perfect Hawaiian, gorgeous land, unmolested. And you get up there and you say, wow, I, we could be living on this land very quickly. Yeah, th th we design them that they can le be left on a trailer. So like, for example, uh, uh, the toilet. The toilet, we have a, a hung, we call it a European hung toilet because everything goes out to the side. Nothing goes through, uh, through the bottom. So it's very easy to set up. On a trailer, off the trailer, it makes no difference for this uh, for this container. For my, uh, you know, everybody has kind of a vision on how to set up these containers. My one of my favorites is why why park in one spot if you can have if you have choices. So you have like two little settings, one up the hill and one down the hill, and you know you leave it down the hill for two months and then you know you put it back up and somewhere somewhere else or so and and. Um, so that's really the fascination is because if you have it on a trailer, uh, then uh, you, you can, you, again, you don't have to professionally move it, you can move it yourself. So it's easy if you have a, a property or, uh, you know, several containers or something, you can rearrange them. Okay, so let's, that's, uh, I kind of got my mind spinning with possibilities here. So let's say that we just talked a little bit about how the uh, toilet or the, the restroom facilities could work on the lateral wall. Right, so you don't have to worry about the build. That's a great thing. What are some of the other uh, appliances? How are you dealing with lighting? How are you dealing with cooking and uh, re refrigeration and heating and cooling of both air and water? What, what are your, your overall basic decisions in those regards? Uh, again, most of that uh, goes on the outside, so everything connects. Uh, you know, we, like the stove is, 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 a, is a propane, um, you know, thing. So you hook up the propane tank on the outside, whatever size. Uh, that is uh, the water, uh, you know, you can hook it up on, uh, on grid or just or use, use a rain uh, uh, collection or so. So it, there's, yeah, there, there's a lot of, it, 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 again, it comes down to the end user, how they, they really want to uh, set it up. You know, like, for example, if you want, uh, originally, I, I had a, a, a big cooler, you know, so... Um, you know, a, a standard you know camping cooler, and the cool thing about those coolers is that the the lid goes uh, goes open, um, you know, uh, up to the to the top, so you don't lose that cold air inside. Uh, and we had an open house, and the first thing everybody asked was, "Where's the fridge?" Well, my answer would have been, "Well, you don't need one because you can use a cooler, and and have cooling elements in there because there's, there's cool boxes that actually you can." Uh, hook up to a 12-volt battery system or something, or a solar system. But, you know, it, at this uh, day and age, there is no such designs that, that are full size. You have a camping cooler, but uh, past the camping cooler, I haven't seen anything. If you, if you know, Josh, if you see one, let me know. So what I have done is I've replaced it uh, with a, you know, like one of those mini, mini fridges and all that stuff. So, but then as soon as you get a fridge in it, you got to think about energy. You got to think about you know where does that electricity come from? Yeah. Right. Interesting. And you mentioned a 12 volt element for cooling, and you could do something similar for heating. So it's possible to start thinking now about energy generation, also energy transfer. So what I mean by that is there's this discussion about the hybridization of the electric grid. Uh, there's a great reorganization called, I think it's called Renew Alliance, if I'm not mistaken. Brian Patterson, we've met him a couple of times. The, it's a national organization. Talking about the merits of uh, using DC in our homes, because at the grid edge, we're now creating with DC in renewable energy systems, but we're also consuming a good chunk of our energy in DC. We just don't know it because our electrical devices all use rectifiers to take the alternating current and turn it into DC. So anything with like, a, you know, any of our, you know, our phones, our, all of the, the, the exciting electronics that are now growing and growing and growing are, are, are working via DC. So just, do you feel that at this stage of the game, once you've got your systems in, is is it a reasonable conversation to try to move towards DC, where where those op where you do have energy loads and you do have those needs to be produced and consumed? Are you looking towards DC or are you looking towards AC, or does it matter? I think in our case it doesn't matter because we use a modular system. So, for example, the system that we use right now for electricity in uh, one of the containers, it's full, you know, 120 volts with uh, you know plenty of outlets with a circuit breaker box, uh, but with one container that literally just runs of extension 
courts. You know, you, of course, it, in this case, you got to watch out what the consumer, uh, you know, like, do you have a heater at the end? Do you have a microwave? Some of those things are, are you can't use because on a regular extension cord that, that would overload, you know, would overheat that extension cord. But if, if you're just running a light, uh, that is perfectly fine. So with a 12 volt, because like you just said, with the, it comes right off the, the solar panels into the battery. So like, like for example, our water pump is, is a 12 volt water pump. So we use a lot of the uh, RV elements and it would be certainly nice to see uh, a lot more of that incorporated because uh, you know, with nowadays, I mean, you get a nine volt light, you don't need to have a 120 volt outlet to run a nine volt light so that could be completely solved yeah it's uh, interesting because you're talking about the you know structures changing our assumptions about our structures that we live in then about the uh the amount of energy inputs that we need whether we need insulation or not by dynamically handling that passive energy coming in and then now we're talking about the types of appliances we choose from there now all of a sudden there's a little bit of you know there's a little bit of an energy requirement so from there it's you probably need a lot less production a lot less storage, but also what's the transmission and, the cons and, and type of consumption? So it's a, we're starting to kind of go full spectrum now on this conversation. Absolutely, and, and we're talk you said uh, before, Josh, that we're talking about you know the environment here on the island. So one big, of course, consumer is the air conditioner. Now, um, I don't, personally, I don't need one uh, air conditioner, but I understand that other people probably need one uh, once in a while. But like in a, in a container, of course, it's a small space. So A, you need a lot less energy to, to cool this down. And you might not, uh, we've talked about that before in the, in the uh, other segment uh, where you might not need to run that 24 hours. But what if, if you have two containers and I look, air conditioner for me is a shelter. So if I overheat for whatever reason, I want to have a cool place to go. So if I don't have air conditioner, I might go to a restaurant or something that has it or some other place that has it and cool down because it's obviously important for, you know, it's just a physical uh, uh, part of your body to, to stay cool. So in a tiny house container environment, let's say you have two containers, one for sleeping and one for, for living, or let's say you have to work uh, inside uh, or then, that becomes very important to stay cool. So why do you heat more space uh, or cool down more space than you need? If you've got two shipping containers, just run it on one side. Use that while you're doing your work, and then when you're done, shut it down in the evening, you don't need it. So yeah, the, 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 the thought about, you know, that you don't need to, uh, if you have like multiple, uh, multiple units, you don't need to uh, cool every one of them, saves you a lot of energy. I, I, it's really funny, because like when we talked about getting together and have this conversation, I didn't realize what type of conversation I was walking into. But this is, it's, it's really rethinking uh, how we go about, you know, what types of environments we choose to live in. Uh, you have this great structure that is a potentially a, a living environment, but then once we get in there, we're going to now think about how not to replicate a lot of the inefficient decisions that have been made. You know, and as an American's tendency, you know, there's often this idea of bigger and, you know, luxurious and better. And, and you know, like you just said, in a very, very straightforward way, if you had two containers, why cool and heat them both? You can cut down your cost, just do one, uh, because you only need that shelter. You're re really thinking from the from the very very baseline how to redesign our living environments. So I find that real. I really appreciate that and find that uh, really exciting. So uh, how can people find you, Roger? Where can they find you online and and if they want to learn more directly from you? Well, thanks uh, for having me on the show, uh, Josh. And our uh, website is tinyhousecontainer.com. That's a simple tiny house container at the dot com. <laughs> All right, thanks for having me. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Roger. That was uh, Roger Brule with tinyhousecontainerhome.com. Really enjoyed talking with him for session two. What say you, Jay? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Um, learn to live in, in, a, in a more efficient way. Check him out. Uh, this has been The Solar Coaster. Brian Thomas, you still floating around? Nope, lost Brian. Okay, Brian, thank you for your time today. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, we are sponsored by Fairwinds Wealth Management, EnduroShield, Perfectly Clear Glass, Sundrum Solar, and a bunch of other great companies. We uh, look forward to uh, getting this show back up and running and being out there and uh, uh, relaunching our society. So see you soon. Have a wonderful weekend. Aloha Friday.